Hi, it's your host Matilda. And your other host Hadiza. And, and you're listening, listening to the, the Africa Lipso Podcast. Welcome to the first episode, guys. We're going to be talking about Pan-Africanism today, the idea of it. So a couple of weeks ago, I was watching a Grapevine video, and they were discussing the idea of Pan-Africanism. And I was like, wait, I haven't really heard about this idea, or I have, I've seen it in action. Like, for instance, when we have African associations in, in schools, and when we always group ourselves as Africans instead of like individual countries. I never quite understood the idea behind that. So I thought it was um, going to be very interesting to kick off the podcast with discussing this kind of topic. So here we are. Enjoy. Today on the episode, we have two guests who prior to today had no knowledge or little to no knowledge on Pan-Africanism. We have Hakim. Hello. And we have Angela. Hey. And the way this podcast is going to be structured is that, first of all, we're going to explain our ideas, what we think Pan-Africanism is to us. And then we're going to talk briefly, maybe not so briefly, we'll see, about the history and figures, people that have done stuff in the past on this topic. And lastly, we're going to extensively go into if we think Pan-Africanism is important in today's day and age and how it works with our current society. What is Pan-Africanism, people? It's an ideology that asserts and supports the solidarity of Africans worldwide. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know when they ask you in secondary school, like, can you define something? (laughs) <laughs> you memorize the textbook. <laughs> yeah, Angela, do you have any ideas on what? You, have you ever heard of the word Pan Africanism? Yeah, it kind of always relates back to like the diaspora. So you know, like you said, like solidarity, mm-hmm. specifically, you know, in the Caribbean, in the Americas, blah blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting. Mm. Um, my my idea of Pan Africanism before I like research on it was i thought it was i mean it kind of relates but not exactly like it's not it's not the full picture right um my idea of pan-africanism was something that cuts across the whole of africa but only within africa like i didn't see it as something that was coming from outside and then ending up within africa if that makes sense like a combination of all black people like and it started kind of from like america like the like diaspora as you said like Caribbeans, like everywhere else, and then it somehow ends up back in Africa. I saw it as like something that it started in Africa and it only stays within the border of Africa itself. And I also saw it as something that like something that empowers Africans specifically and like just a way of uniting Africans to do something cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to do something cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like how? Wakanda stuff. Wakanda. (laughs) Then forever. <laughs> oh yeah, I generally understand. It's basically just encourage and strengthen bonds among people of African descent, and th- that's basically what the AU does. Mm, African Union, eh? Yeah. Okay, I have comments on that later, but we can. Oh. 
Yeah, because I read somewhere. I really want us to discuss it in like order, but um, I mean we can talk about it now. But okay, this was part of the history. So um, like when I read up about the AU, it kind of came out of the um organization of African unity. But um, the criticisms I heard about the organization of African unity, it essentially wasn't like the Pan African um union because. It was mostly made up of the heads of states, and that you don't build things up from the top to top the, the bottom. bottom. Yeah, yes. but Africanism is more bottom up, up like the people, not yeah. because the heads of states. Let's be very honest; they're very corrupt. So if they're going to meet together and discuss like Pan Africanism, we'll never get anywhere because it's really about the individuals, you know. Mm-hmm. So the so it's not necessarily the AU, but the AU did come out of. With the AU, for example, you would have actual, like, leader, like, appointed leaders of states, like, heads of state come together to have discussions. But with Pan-Africanism, it's like, because it's a movement, you have, like, kind of self-appointed. It's like, uh, Malcolm X or, like, Malcolm X and Mandela before he became president, for example, like, when he was just an activist, or, like, you have, um, who else, um, wasn't it, Martin Luther King? Or you have like a few activists. Maybe, activists. You can even have um, even regular know, people. To oh, are you talking about panafricanism as an as, organization or even or as, as a, a congress? It's like kind of when like it was movement. a congress, and um, even though like even when it was just a movement, it still involves the regular people. Uh, versus like AU, where they it's like heads of states that come together. It's almost like the House of Assembly meetings where they yeah. start fighting each other. Oh. <laughs> Those kind of things, you know. So it's kind of different but they their ultimate goal is meant to be the same thing she get like already yeah. so my question for pan-africanism is does it want a unified state where all black people are like together like what is the goal of the pan-africanism movement i understand like it is like okay it is about like you trying to uplift people of african descent like worldwide right mm-hmm. but like how is it going to achieve that that yeah. okay Okay, I think the criticism is kind of the question you've asked. Mm-hmm. Where, um, really, how does it look to ans- answer these questions? Mm-hmm. Like, it's saying that, okay, this is what we want to solve, but how mm-hmm. is too... Let's not get way ahead of ourselves. So, I mean, let's discuss the history of, like, what has happened in the past and everything and how they want to achieve that. So, it's basically the ideology, as you guys have said, that mm-hmm. asserts that um africans worldwide should have solidarity it is a vital part of our economic social and political progress in terms of the continent's survival so basically uplifting of people of african descent it stresses that the unity is like the only way that we are going to progress so this is dr umar johnson talking to some black american students about pan-africanism as long as black folk in America keep trying to solve our problems as an isolated group of 40 million descendants of ex-slaves, we will get nowhere. You must see yourself as a member of a global race. White supremacy is global. It is everywhere at all times. And if we are going to come out from under it, then our program will also be global. The only thing that can destroy white supremacy is pan-African nationalism. The roots of the idea is not really, it's not really placed anywhere. Like, it's just an idea that has been back as as far as like the 1800s. And um, the political aspect really started in the US when um, Africans, well, 
um, African Americans started saying, "Oh, hey, Af- to be African is actually cool." Because before then, they were like, "Oh, y'all, you." Africans. I don't even think they know what African means. Like how? Uh, Americans. What do you mean? Uh, are you referring to like uh, Americans saying that African being African is cool? I think it, she's speaking t- about a specific time period. Time period when Africans oh. was almost like equated to niggers. Do you get that kind mm-hmm. of thing? Like it wasn't oh, a thing to be prideful of. Yeah. What year are you speaking of? Like the 1800s. Okay. Apparently, around then is when like there was an enlightenment, and then people started expressing that their blackness is beautiful and whatever mm-hmm. like that. So there was like that awareness, and around that period of time, then the global world was like seeing them, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we want that. We think black is beautiful too." Because the problems they experienced in America were also problems that. I mean, Africans too would face because they were also under colonial rule mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they were seeing the Americans being all, yeah, we're cool. And they were like, we want that, you know? So that kind of somehow unified the cause almost. Mm-hmm. So the first organized um, Pan-African movement was the Pan-African Congress. And then they just sat down for like one conference and they were like, okay, let's discuss black issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was held by Henry Sylvester Williams. Mm-hmm. He was from Trinidad, mm-hmm. but I think he was in America around that time. So what year was this? This was okay. the year 1900. Okay. Um, and it was held in London. So they just basically talked about institutional racism mm-hmm. being faced in, by black Americans and even the colonialism in Africa. Mm-hmm. They even, at that point, they wrote a, a petition to Queen Victoria. Thank God, not Queen Elizabeth. She wasn't alive. Because <laughs> that woman old. <laughs> Lucky, are you sure? <laughs> no, it was Victoria, but it was the year oh, yeah, Queen Victoria like, actually yeah, died. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so um, Queen Elizabeth would have been born shortly around that time. Yeah, she was at, she was probably alive, but I think she was Queen Victoria's child, right? If it's nineteen hundred, there's no way she was alive. Because we're in twenty, we're in twenty eighteen, bruh. We're surprised. We're in twenty eighteen. That she can't be hundred eighteen years. Elizabeth, because Elizabeth. She's ninety eight. Different. Okay, she was born shortly. Exactly, shortly after. Okay. So they they petitioned Queen Victoria to look into the treatment of Africans, Mm -hmm. mostly in South Africa and Rhodesia, modern day Zimbabwe, because that's where like um, white people had decided they want to live. Mm -hmm. So. They wanted to live in their country and basically segregate them. So, like, they petitioned her. She actually replied, but not much changed, mm-hmm. as usual. So, but then after the World War I, um, because that was a conference, they just had the conference and they went to their places of dwelling or whatever. Um, then after World War I, people realized a necessity of a Pan-African Congress. Not, not to be mistaken with the conference. So a congress is more ongoing that they would have like different sit downs rather than the conference. The idea was brought up by W.E.B. Du Bois and he's known as the father of Pan-Africanism apparently and he just gathered people around. So the initial meeting featured um, 30 delegates. They were mostly from England and the West Indies um, but it attracted a few Africans here and there. They were actually, I think, it's really hard. Did you guys find it from when you were searching the um, Pan-African Congress up. Did did you not hear like conflicting numbers as to how many conferences there actually were? No, 
actually no because when i was searching i was getting so frustrated because it felt like they couldn't decide how many congresses they actually were like in the sense that oh should we count those last few ones mm-hmm. because did those really make a big difference. difference that kind of thing because i know there's there was even a 2014 one held in accra and i was like why why do they say there are six congresses but there were like seven some people even say the fifth because okay the fifth pan-african congress was the most successful congress it was then that they basically decided okay we're going to actually put our legs down and we're going to try to end colonialism so the different congresses um were organized by people from different countries or yes it was it was a conference that involved literally everyone from mm-hmm. of african descent like mm-hmm. they would um wb E.B. Du Bois, he was an African-American, but he was black. Mm-hmm. So um, the guy that first started the conference was Trinidadian, but he was also black. Mm-hmm. So like they had delegates from literally around the world. So like the different, you're, now you're saying that there are seven different congresses. Like, <laughs> that we don't, we're not really sure. There were eight. 2014 was the eighth. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But they don't really, I think they don't count the Accra one. Which is something where we could discuss Why? when we're talking about the criticisms because apparently in the 2014 one, mm-hmm. they said we don't want to include North Africans. That they mm. they have loyalties with the Arab people, so are they really African? So they basically, it was more of a sub-Saharan African thing, yeah. But we'll discuss that. Let's hold very, that. Very weird. That was very weird. I did. Think when I was, was that? 2014. Oh... Okay, let's discuss the 5th Pan-African Congress because it was the most successful one. It was held in Manchester and the previous Pan-African Congresses had largely been run by black middle-class British and American intellectual whose goals were to improve the conditions of living under colonial rule. Not necessarily to end it, just to improve the conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Manchester meeting, which was the 5th Pan-African I mean, I Congress... Guess, I guess in that, at that point in time... Is it, it was already starting to become a norm that oh, mm-hmm. this is like this is the norm like we are under the British rule like can we really fight? Let's just British make people? it better. Let's just know? yeah yeah. But then again, they weren't Africans. They were people in the diaspora. So because it had largely been run by them, there was never a come on guys, let's end this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But the fifth Pan African Congress was dominated by delegates from Africa and Africans working and studying in Britain at that time. Mm. So for the first time, they had representatives of political parties from Africa and the West Indies attending the me- meetings. Some notable um, people were Jomo Kenyatta, um, which was one of the leaders who led mm-hmm. the fight in the Kenya's mm-hmm. independent, um, Malawi's Hastings Banda, Kwame Nkrumah of Ghana, and Obafemi Awolowo from Nigeria. Yes, sir. Represent. Yes, sir. And then there was also another Nigerian, Jaja Wachuku. So even though the Pan-African movement had become um, begun a long time ago, it was the fifth Pan-African Congress that advanced Pan-Africanism and applied it to decolonize the African continent. Mm-hmm. The participants demanded that colonialism in Africa be ended. And they told them, okay, yeah, let's start boycotting till mm-hmm. um, we end continent's exploitations and it's important to note that they declared then and within 15 years in the 1960s two-thirds of africa was decolonized so people literally say that fifth pan-african congress was the most progressive yet the peak 
advancement time and everything. Oh, so, yeah. but my question is though, don't you guys think that it was almost too easy? Like there was probably something also happening within the British. Um, yes, let's discuss that. Yeah, that like was also allowing for. Like that, happen. it was like okay. So it's like there was a wormhole somewhere, and then African leaders were like, hole. "Let's take advantage of this hole." And like, mm-hmm. you know, the wormhole yeah. was World War Two. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So the British government at that point in time was um, weakened, mm-hmm. so they were still recovering. And note that Africans had fought in World War Two for. Their colonizers. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, they had fought for them. Mm-hmm. Their country was already weakened, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Okay, bitch, <laughs> can we like get our independence now?" Mm-hmm. So they were kind of already weakened at that point, mm-hmm. which made it easier, mm-hmm. at least from what I found. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very interesting for me, like thinking about like, I mean, it's still it was still very important that like they they had that meeting because like the fact is, if they hadn't had that pan-africanism ideology at that point in time they would not have been able to take advantage of that wormhole that existed that at that existed, point in time yeah but it's funny because i'm like if such a wormhole did not exist we what if we would still be yeah, under would, the colonial rule yeah yeah like how true like, that's but let's I mean, also keep in today. mind huh? not till today let's keep in mind that oh, even yeah. pre-world wars happening mm-hmm. Africans have been revolting for a long time, which mm-hmm. I read a book, um, The History of Pan-African Revolt. You mm-hmm. guys should check it out. Um, it was basically talking about the fact that Africans yeah, have been revolting around um, the world for a while, but what happened is they, they're not usually organized. So they, like, even in uh, America, like the South, when they would just, like, organize a thing, like, let's just run away from the plantation. They never came together and really made a plan, which is kind of one of the things that Pan-Africanism suggests, that there's power in numbers and there's power power in planning. So, yes, we can be African-Americans and be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. But you're not carrying everyone along. We're all facing similar, not the same, but similar problems. Let's carry each other along. There's power in numbers. We can fight the power when we're more. So I think, no, we wouldn't still be in colonialism because we've been revolting. And I feel like at the point they would have gotten tired or would have found somehow. Maybe it wasn't that, but it would have been something else. Maybe. We don't know how that would have gone. Mm. We're sure not going to <laughs> Yeah, so um, that fell off. Apparently, um, the Pan-African conferences kind of fell off because there, there was a... Um, Casablanca block and the Monrovian block. Wait, so it fell off after what the independence after like independence of two thirds the yes yes. Okay. So they're like, oh yes. So we have independence at this point in time. A lot of them were decolonized, and they were like, okay, this is how we see Pan Africanism going. And then some other people were like, this is no, we don't agree with this. Like some people were too extreme. Like some people literally wanted to have a Pan African. So like soldier squad, like they wanted to really make Africa a like a political a large country, a large country basically. But some people are like, okay, yeah, being too extreme about let's this, like yes, we want, countries. yeah, let's settle and like yeah. So they divided basically into something like two different segregation, like sub 
categories. Subcategories. That's what I'm looking for. That was so hard. <laughs> and <laughs> that led to like a lot of conflicts and stuff like that. So that's how the OAU was um formed, the Organization of African Unity. Oh. So they they're like, okay, let's just all come together and be one and. But at that point in time, Africans were already independent. So at that point, when the OAU formed, it wasn't any more about Pan-Africanism. It was more about Africans, continental Africans. Do you get Because at that point, prior to that, everyone was like, Trinidadians, Caribbeans, everyone like came together as um, African-Americans and we were fighting for different causes. But around the OAU, it was now just about Africa. So... As time went on, Pan-Africanism became more and more just about Africa, and it kind of fizzled off. So they say calls for Pan-Africanism could still be heard in the United States at the beginning of the 21st century, but by then, the movement had generally come to stand for the unity of the countries of the African continent, mm-hmm. especially Sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all fell apart. Okay, and before we go, we can just talk about Marcus Garvey. Because of the Jew is held together by his religion, the white races by the assumption and the unwritten law of superiority, the Mongolian by the precious tie of blood, likewise the black man must unite in one grand racial hierarchy. Our union must know no crime, no nationality. But let us all hold together in every country, in every clime, making a racial empire upon which the sun shall never set. Had you guys heard anything about Marcus Garvey? I know him as Gavi. <laughs> Stop it. Because okay. of Adela keeping you. Gavi. Gavi. <laughs> she says Gavi. <laughs> she literally. What did she say about him? How do you pronounce his name? Garvey. How do you spell his name? Marcus Garvey. It's like Gavi. Gabby, <laughs> it does have a Y. I see her point. <laughs> um, She's like, why is there? Oh yes, this guy. Yeah. So what have you heard about him? Good things and bad things. Yeah, yeah. Good things and bad things, right? He's very controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start. So he was actually the leader of the largest black movement till date. That's even bigger than the civil rights mov- movement that we all know today we talk so much about the civil rights movement but his was a lot more large mm-hmm. i guess that's the word i was looking for um so garvey who was originally from jamaica was able to unite millions of a- people of african descent all over the world under the universal negro improvement association or popularly known as the unia which he formed in america but mm-hmm. he, he was originally from jamaica so he was a- an amazing speaker he kept stressing the idea that the history of black Americans did not start from slavery. Mm. It started in Africa. So you know that thing that they always say, we're all prince and princesses or something <laughs> like that. Kings and queens. Queen I guess. Kings and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, not everyone can be king and queen. So what he did was give members of the UNIA pride in being black. I watched documentaries where people were... um who were part of it were speaking and they were talking about the sense of pride that he gave them. They even had like military uniforms and they would go on parades and like march and be like, yes, we're black and we're proud, that kind of thing. So he gave them a really big sense of pride. But the thing is that Garvey's movement was ultimately described as a let's go back to Mm -hmm. Africa movement. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what he did before he started going into okay, Americans, um, black Americans, let's go back to Africa. Mm-hmm. He actually, he established the Negro Factories Corporation where 
African Americans could buy stock. At one point, the corporation had three grocery stores, two restaurants, a printing plant, a steam industry, and he owned several buildings and trucks in New York City alone. So these businesses at their peak employed about a thousand people and what his goal was was to basically make black people self-sufficient mm-hmm. like let's own black businesses let's build ourselves because that's the only way we can find um pride in ourselves basically mm-hmm. but eventually he's like let's go back to africa mm-hmm. and then so he um he started a shipping company called the black star line and he established it in part to transport blacks back to africa but he also wanted to facilitate global black commerce so he wanted black americans to be trading with african continental africans basically but it was ultimately unsuccessful basically all his businesses were unsuccessful because they were mismanaged he basically wouldn't listen to anyone and when he did they were honestly nigeria my dad dad said one time that um nigerians don't like to the thing about Nigerians who start companies is Nigerians would like to die with that company. Like they, they, <laughs> they, they, like, down they don't the like, they don't like, um, like allowing people to give them help, give them ideas yeah. to run their company. Yeah. I think I was talking about like like a British with Miss Laja, and he was like, "Yeah, like Nigerians just don't like the idea of somebody else running something that they else. came up with mm. better than them." Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so his company is basically run by. Um, and at a point, he started supporting the KKK. That's the Ku Klux Klan, where he was like, "Okay, so you guys are white supremacists. Us, we're black supremacists. You want us to go back to Africa? We want to go back to Africa." <laughs> so he we started. Have, we have a common. Goal we have a common then. goal. So he actually met with them, and he started um like having discussions basically. Mm. We need to keep in mind that he had a lot of opposition from black American intellectuals at that point in time. Like, you know how we discussed W.E.B. Du Bois? Bro, W.E.B. Du Bois hated yep. that guy. Oh, <laughs> so he, hated, he hated Marcus Garvey. He hated Marcus Garvey. You know what oh. he said? W- or he, maybe not hated, sorry. He didn't like him. He didn't, he like, didn't like his, his methods. His ideas. Yes. When I say. Well, why was that, like. Hadiza is about to, like, we can just, we'll go on from there. W.E.D. Du Bois. This sounds like a Ghanaian group band. W.E.D. Du Bois. Du Bois. The way that they just, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Du Bois. This sounds like a Ghanaian accent. Like how they say nine Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Okay. So, um, he's... Wait, the people that disagreed with him, there are also other black nationalists. No, not necessarily, not black nationalists, but black intellectuals, like people that were. Oh, the, he, oh, Marcus Garvey was a black nationalist. Nationalist. While the other people were black intellectuals. Yeah, they 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 were basically fighting also for equality, but not in the same way that he was saying that let's be like let's go back to Africa and that is the only solution or. Yeah, that kind of thing. He was oh. too extra, or so, or so he thought. Um, so he, WB Du Bois said that he's an example of someone who was engaged in grand destruction. He said that in 1924 that Marcus Garvey is the most dangerous enemy of the Negro race in America and in the world. Because to him, it, they would, you know, they would go on parades, they would 
dress off, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. He thought it was just grand distraction. Like, all these things that we're doing is not necessarily going to change anything. Like, do you get... They didn't think his methods were practical. Not all black Americans want to enter a boat and go back to Africa. They don't even know, you know, where's my home. I'm yeah, Africa, Africa or, like... Or where, you know? <laughs> like, and what did they do? Yeah, that kind of thing. So, um, eventually, though, the U.S. government started seeing him as a threat. And they tried him. They found him guilty of mail fraud. And then they jailed him after his jail term. They deported him back to Jamaica, as the U.S. government does best. <laughs> um, and then after that, the um, movement was not as strong. So that is Marcus Garvey. And that's a gross oversimplification of his history because he was actually very great. Like, even though his methods were not necessarily the best, mm-hmm. he was literally able to gather Africans from all over the world. It wasn't even just America. I heard a story where they would say, at that point in time, Africans were under colonial rule. So sometimes when Marcus Garvey would write letters, they wouldn't let them read it. Mm. So like one person would memorize the speech or something. Mm. Some I think it was Liberia or like some, somewhere else and basically go around like repeating yeah. the speeches so the colonial rulers wouldn't I, find out. I so he was that big very epic because it must have inspired you know so many people like people like, like Conrad yeah like, uh, fun fact the um black the red black and green flag which is now known as the um, Pan-African flag mm-hmm. was actually coined by Marcus Garvey because he had said show oh. me um, show me the race or the nation without a flag and I will show you a race of people without any pride so to him, that flag represented pride. And another fun fact, Ma- Malcolm X's father was also a member of the UNIA. So Mar- Malcolm X was basically raised in the UNIA mentality, mm-hmm. just to give a background. So now, let's start the discussion. Why do we think Pan-Africanism is important? Hmm. Or do we think Pan-Africanism is important? I think it's very, very important. I think like the movement and everything that it stands for is very essential, especially today because now you know African Americans like we feel like you know they have some resentment. Oh, there's some resentment there. They're like, oh, um, we were sold into slavery. Well, our ancestors were sold into slavery, and um, Africans feel like African Americans look down on them. For being African or whatever, and even on, you know, any social media, you see there's always like debates going on, talking about oh it wasn't cool to be African until 2018 or until Wakanda. Wakanda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Did we do So it's very important to have this like conversations because well, and to like well. have some sort of like unity because. That is exactly what the colonizers want for us to be divided, you know. For we need solidarity because there's power in numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I That's what I think. Well, I honestly think that I feel like it shouldn't really have anything to do with African Americans or even people who are generally not Africans. I mean, I don't really mind if they're black or maybe they're not black, but like, I feel like it shouldn't really have to deal with those kind of people. It should deal with the actual Africans, Africans re- regardless of whether they're black or not, but like, 
the actual Africans that it should be like symbol of pride that kind of unites people together, you know, kind of like um, the American flag now. So like it kind of unites all the states together under one solid thing, which is America. And so it's like you're saying there's nothing basically binding Africans, Africans and like then politi- Africans it, it, of the it, diaspora. Yeah, there should be something like more substantial, substantial, and then like mm. and then like different countries from different tribes can pull in their own cultures together to join this kind of like mixing place of Pan Africanism. So you're saying you feel like it's it should specifically be for just Africans, continental uh, Africans. I mean, like um. It should be open to other people to of like, African descent. So of African descent, it should be open for other people of African descent to come in and maybe like contribute um, with their own kind of style. Maybe with their own kind of style, they can come in and contribute as well. But like, I feel like overall, generally, it's based off of like all different cultures pulling in their all different um, nations in Africa pulling in their cultures into a big melting pot of that we can kind of consider it to be pan-African, you know? And maybe there, there could be a political element. Like, let's say there could be African conferences where people talk about the issues that's going on and how they could solve those issues. Maybe, like, on a national level, the micromanagement stuff should be basically left to the countries. But, like, like there'll be, like, general a general solidarity and be like, oh, okay, uh, let's pull in... But why do you think that here? cannot involve Africans of the diaspora? Um... Um, it can, but at that point is honestly when if when it comes to involving Africans of diaspora, it's literally open to interpretation kind of way. Like anybody can say, "Oh, I can I can put it this way" or something. But like, do you realize like, the disparity of even African states? Um, how very different we already are. I mean, yeah, the African states are different. Mm. Um, I think I kind of agree with what Hakim was saying, but like I feel like. It's kind of, it's like, um, how do I explain it? So what, so Pan-Africanism basically is you coming, like African, people of African descent coming together to solve like problems and unite and uplift and all that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, depending on like where you're from, this means like, although like we all have a common history and a common like, uh, what's it called? Backstory, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on where you currently are now in 2018, upliftment means something, means something different. different, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, with somebody in diaspora, it may, it would mean something. Okay, for example, Chimamanda was saying how African Americans maybe have to deal with racism, for example, while Ha in Nigeria have to, has to deal with tribalism. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very different, like, issues that, even though we're dealing with issues, it's still something that is different depending on... Okay, for example, yeah, Africa, like the, um, Nigerians are dealing with tri- tribalism. But you know tribalism isn't necessarily going to fall under Pan-African... Like what the Pan-African ideal, I feel, should really emphasize. Because racism, I feel, is the base foundation of Pan-Africanism. I feel like um, white supremacy is was basic, basically the reason for Mm pan-africanism in the sense that we are united in that white supremacy we don't have the same culture we don't have Mm -hmm. the same struggles but like an african um american in america would experience it as as you said racism Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Us, we're experiencing it as imperialism mm-hmm. in the sense that they, white people are coming here, they're exploiting us. Look at the Congo, for instance. They have endless, endless wars, but and they're very rich in natural resources. Throughout all these wars that have been going on, the supply of the natural resources mm-hmm. to these white people has never stopped. So really? Ex- no. Up to now. Up to now. And the country is still in, like, turmoil. We are killing ourselves. I mean, we have a part to play. Let's not play that down. But it's imperialism in Africa. It might be something different in a different place. But it's the basis of it is we have a mentality that black is not. Like, black is something under white. And Mm. that's kind of what we're fighting. So tribalism is different from... Um, That's struggle that we're talking about. True, true. I I agree. Because speaking from, even from Nigeria, I remember, like, being in Nigeria and seeing a white person, like, for people who are listening uh, that might not be Nigerian, this might be something, like, might be be new to you, or, like, might might only be personal to me. But I feel like in Nigeria, whenever I see a white person in Nigeria, specifically white, I always imagine, like, the person to have money automatically like it's like an automatic assumption that you you have money mm-hmm. or like it's also it's also like oh white people can do whatever oh they don't apply here like they can break the rules here and there like it's fine mm-hmm. like in we even in our Nigeria. country so it's um i feel like and uh, it was until i came here like until i came to Canada and live amongst like a very like diverse amongst the whites yeah among <laughs> white people you know everybody and then I started to realize that like you know like white people are people just like I am a person that can have the money that like I was thinking that the white person would always have in has. Nigeria or always has right so like I think a lot of it is actually like for imperialism and racism white and, supremacy in general yeah, yeah yeah i feel like okay in this situation now i'm more educated than i was in nigeria right and i have this belief that i can and i will regardless of like um what i look like on my race or anything right so and i feel like if i just gather enough like information education resources and like i am empa- like i just like Empower yourself. Yeah, somehow or some way. So that it's about I empowerment. It's about empowerment. That's really the, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a let's be a monolith mm-hmm. because we're not. We're very dispersed. We're, yeah. we have different, black American culture is a culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're different, but we share something similar, which is white supremacy. <laughs> Sadly though. Mm, so I don't think white supremacy is a thing. I mean, it's a thing, but white white supremacy isn't that big as people think it is. If you follow right wing politics, you know that. No, but what 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 happens is, I feel like with the supremacy thing, it's not just um, it's not just a thing that is imposed. It's also thing. It's something that is also self imposed as well. Yes. Yes. So so it's also like I'll speak about Nigeria and I'll speak about maybe what I understand from the African American community, right? Okay, for example, now Nigeria, as much as we are like now like under our own, um, you know, we we are no longer under colonial rule, right? Now it's now um, 
a thing of okay can we do things ourselves can we pro- like can we produce things ourselves why do we have the mentality that things produced in nigeria are less of lesser quality mm-hmm. than things coming from uh, countries like the us or the uk for example mm-hmm. why do we have these like these ideologies that like keep persisting within our society um also like yeah and it's like you need to you need to people need to understand that like there's nothing that makes the products that america produces more special than the products that nigeria produces there's absolutely nothing like okay okay maybe here this company is uh, honestly even company based like it's not like america as a government america's like america has a governing body that monitors these products if you even check they do though <laughs> they do, like regulations they, like they that do. we we don't like have but standards. then it's like but we do have our own we have nafta no but then we you're also that, you're also that. like putting, <laughs> we're also putting like a like a parenthesis with NAFDAQ. It's like why can't we say <laughs> we want to believe that NAFDAQ can really actually works. monitor our yes, products? Yes, and then we true. now let's say we say okay, we're going to invest more in Nigerian products, right? People start mm-hmm. to invest more. If people now see their problems with the products, people would revolt against NAFDAQ. NAFDAQ will upgrade themselves mm-hmm. instead of um nigerians saying oh we know that that is bad anyways we know our products are bad anyways we're going to buy it's a mentality it doesn't allow us yeah, to grow as people right mentality. yeah so you have to believe in your your your, your immediate like surroundings products mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. then those people would make mistakes we would grow from those mistakes mm-hmm. instead of just discounting it all together and i feel like a lot of it is like okay i did not understand this until coming here and seeing that really there's nothing that make any makes anything that is made in Canada or like North America special like absolutely nothing so like I feel like it's the same thing for Nigeria we should we should try to it's and all, it's, other African and states. other African states as well like yeah so and should, even black Americans cause yeah. they that's kind of what Garvey was trying to do with mm-hmm. the okay let's build ourselves let's produce our own things mm-hmm. because when we start producing our own things people are going to do, even the white people even mm-hmm. us for even ourselves we will see that we are capable of doing that and we wouldn't have a inferiority like, complex. inferiority complex, complex which is kind of what i think we mm-hmm. have at the yeah. moment so let's quickly just discuss the criticisms of pan-africanism because we see that i mean in a very conceptual way it seems like a good thing but there are so many criticisms that i don't even know how it's ever going to be a movement that really works like like for instance the black lives matter movement mm-hmm how it is like how would pan-africanism look like if it was in 2018 and it is some people are pan-africanists but it's not as large of a movement so one of the criticisms and one that i got a lot when i i was researching this topic and i was talking to a lot of my co-workers who are white sorry they're not white but they are mostly canadians um <laughs> so, so should we... a lot of people said and this was the question if we are saying all black people are equal, why are we not including other races? So therefore, is Pan-Africanism in the idea of it racism? Mm. Um. Okay, the thing about it is, okay, it's it's also the same argument with the Black Lives Matter, where people are saying, oh, but all lives matter, right? So, um, so this is it. So what happens, how I see it is, it's like you're trying to build confidence. It has nothing to do with any other group of people. I mean, of course, if you are a group of people who feel like you are like, um, 
you are disenfranchised in some way then you should like you should be able to like you know uplift yourself in some way right but this what this movement specifically it's for like i cannot relate to like i'm i'm able to relate more with like um like a black person's feelings of um a sense of inferiority as compared to like maybe somebody like somebody of another race coming from another continent because like maybe they are dealing with things that like i may not understand and because also that black person also shares a common history with me where it's like okay we were under colonial rule or we were under some kind of imperialism like we're under imperialism of some sort we feel like we are inferior in terms of like the products we produce or like the services we provide um we somehow our countries can't seem to get it right in terms of like leading ourselves and like keeping things in order there are things that are common are themes specific. yeah specific to uh-huh. pan-africanism yeah so it's not like we're not i'm not I, and i understand like why Their people it's kind of we like also it's kind of like the uh, the um when people when you hear feminism and people are like oh what about I, like rights? what about men's rights yeah. so in conclusion though do you think that Pan-Africanism, the idea of it, it would be racism. When I hear Pan-Africanism, I think of the whole of Africa, so I don't think that's racist because it's like, there are so many ethnicities and races in Africa, so it's like... Mm -hmm. How can we... Yeah. But like, if you're thinking of Pan-Africanism, like, Black Africans or maybe like, Central Africa downward. Mm -hmm. Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, Sub-Saharan African downward. Maybe down would be... So maybe maybe kind of confused. Maybe Pan Africanism should. But another problem with Pan Africanism is like a lot of the northern African countries. They they're like they have kind of given. They kind of have this sense of I'm not part of Africa. This they're kind is a of good, affiliated it, with the Middle East. Yeah, this is a very good segue into the next criticism that there is. Like you know how it's Pan Africanism <sighs> and not sub um, not sub Saharan Africanism. So it's. How do we encapture the idea of Pan-Africanism when um, we're so diverse? We're not just black. I mean, we're fighting white supremacy, but we're not just black. I mean, there's North Africans. But I don't really know how it ties in because I, I, don't, I couldn't really find so much research. I'm sure it's out there. I just didn't go as deep into it. But um, um, Hale Selassie, which was one of the... Um, my man. Your man? <laughs> he was Ethiopia. one of the emperors, yeah, in Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was a Pan-Africanist. Even um, Gaddafi, who was also basically not black, necessarily, he was also a Pan-Africanist. Because, mm-hmm. Yes? So, um... These people were able to fit under the movement. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yeah, go on. What because do you think about they were that? fighting imperialism, right? Which, uh-huh. which is something that is a very strong theme in Pan-Africanism, right? Yes. Imperialism. So, and we're within the continent of Africa. Regardless. So, like, there are two things involved. Like, we're fighting imperialism. We're within the continent of Africa. So, like, once you've qualified those two things... I yeah, one of us. I think, yeah, basically... <laughs> and, we're and, fighting and, imperialism within the continent and of you're Africa, also within, within the, the continent. continent of Africa oh. then I feel like you then are part of the Pan-African mu- um, movement because you're trying to empower your people within the continent of Africa oh. right so it's, Wait, it's not so obvious how you can be fighting imperialism so it's like um, do you mean the imperialist culture is actually taking resources 
and fueling the war in that culture sorry that nation no not necessarily because the wars being fought are also a responsibility like people from there can take responsibility from that it's just the fact that they are able to come here and exploit us that is the problem we can have fair trade but we are not having fair trade yeah we're not having fair trade for sure it is imperialism and that's what we're really fighting so um I think that one is really hard to answer honestly the um the North African um issue I don't really know how they would be able to fit into the idea the because narrative Yeah the African narrative because I feel like a lot of times when African issues are brought up it's always sub-Saharan Africa because let's be honest like northern Africa is basically Arab Yeah they're like Arab forever. Yeah, Arab forever. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's hard. Um, okay. And lastly, one of the very big ones is the difference in culture. So how, like, there's biases between different parties. So black Americans think Africans, uh, what black Americans think of black Africans and vice versa, basically. So how is that going to be able to exist under one movement when everyone has to. biases what what black americans think of black africans and um and vice versa what yeah that's why i feel like i think it doesn't have that's why i feel like black americans movement exactly mm. i don't think like what hakim was saying basically that like uh, they, he feels like Af- like pan-africanism should pertain to like african, african. and it should be open to other other but like it should be based Mainly, so yeah. and then what happens it's like what happens is pan-africanism as a movement is to empower right empower um people of african descent right yes. so um you within like um africa right you're fighting certain things um I've some an african-american is fighting or trying to empower themselves but in different ways and it's like we could come together to talk about general themes, but in terms of when it comes to how we are going to empower ourselves, there are general themes that we talk about as Pan-Africanism as a whole. Then even within like Africa itself, there are, when you come into specifics of how you are going to empower like people within the African continent, it depends on where you are from still i mean there's a general the execution theme. of it the execution of it it, still depends, it could become specific so there's a general theme that will be talked about as a whole mm-hmm. but then the, the more you begin to go into specific topics that are specific to like continents versus like um maybe subcontinent like northeast like blah blah Versus like, like West Africa, East yeah, Africa, South Africa, versus country, country even. versus even tribes. tribes. <laughs> you know, you then you then it gets specific. And so you need like, specific movements to address need, those yeah, other things. Yeah, so within the Pan African movement itself, so it's really honestly, I don't, I, I personally don't like. I feel like when people hear labels, people, I feel like people get really put off. Yeah, because when, I think that's when, yeah, when, labels, labels. When people labels in the past were like power and it's like because now it's like you are you just labeling it's because like you're it's, generalizing it's kind it. of like it's yeah kind everyone of is like, scared of generalizing because yeah. it's kind of like okay what happened with feminism or what happened with um like black lives matter it's kind of like you put a label on a movement and then all of a sudden people, and the movement is so and then it's like uh, because there are different things going on in, within that movement and like and the movement doesn't have a specific aim I mean, the movement would it have, have a name, but that's what I like. There are different ways people think you should go about about it, and then some ways are not as like 
good as other ways, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? So, so this is a good segue, sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. um, into our last point, which mm-hmm. is, okay, now what would Pan-Africanism look like in 2018? Mm-hmm. Or would Pan-Africanism even be a thing? Because we talked about how people right now hate generalization. Before, like, if there was a movement, people would be like, yes, let's get under that and, like, move. But now, any any small thing, no, we have different views, that's generalization. Like, do you think the Pan-African movement can exist in 2018? If so, how would it look like? Mm, that's a good idea. That would be a good like question. I think Pan-Africanism... I feel like it could be a result of <laughs> a lot of the information that we have today compared to the past. Mm. Like, like before, so you could just say anything and they would be like, yes. There could be a movement. Like, go back to Africa. That yes. starts from nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like now it's like we have so much information about lots of things. It's like it's like are you sure you want to start something that is going to be that is going to make sense? Or are you going to start something that is not going to be confused yeah. from where you started it from? We just like, have too much information. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also it's it's very I feel like it's also the idea of Pan-Africanism. It, because Pan-Africanism started as a, like, let's, like, push forward. Like, they had, at that point in time, they probably had, like, more set goals. Like, oh, yeah, we need to break to colonialism. Just, yeah. We need to break this. But now, because, like, we are in this point where everything is kind of slow, like, I feel like, okay, people, are, okay, as black people, we would eventually empower ourselves because now, I feel like a lot of shackles have been dropping and they are continuously dropping. But the problem now I feel that Mm -hmm. we face is that the physical shackles have been dropped Mm -hmm. but the the mental ones have have not not been been. dropped. Mm -hmm. So the problem now is that we need to address those Mm -hmm. mental shackles Shackles. which Mm -hmm. are still there Mm -hmm. but it's It's, harder. It's part of what's fueling the Black Lives Matter movement and all the black movements in America. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the the mental shackles. It's like, and it's like it's not just mental shackles there are some Physical injustices that happen. That still happens. But like, it's yeah. mostly a large part is like it is mental. the mental shackles. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's, it's like, very hard to address because the oppressors don't see it. They can't they, see it. They, they can't see it. And then, so it's they, like you're and then the people what? that, and then the people that are trying to, that are trying to stop it, they're actually contributing to it. Like the Democrats now with like, the stuff like, um, um, what's it called? The welfare state and affirmative action. They could have some benefits, but I see through the evidence is like it being a large disadvantage to them. Mm. So it's like so can or can it not exist in twenty eighteen? So it it I feel like it has to take a different um, approach approach form because we are no longer like like you know because the way it has it started it started um, the way it started it was because of the physical like thing that was there yeah, they could address and it. then now because like it's um. It's a lot more philosophical, I feel, mm-hmm. to some certain extent. Or, like, we just have to look at it more in depth and we have to redefine the movement in a way that, like, it specifically pertains to mental, like, the mental shackles, the things we can't necessarily see. So, like, it's a lot of, like... It needs to be more of conversation. It needs to be I more of conversation. Like. And within ourselves, like, within, like... I mean, not within, but, like, within us as the people who feel inferior, like, who the people who have this inferiority It also complex. needs to, I feel like it also needs to Im- involve white people, to be honest. Because we can't get forward mm-hmm. at this point 
without them seeing that there is a problem. Let's quickly just um, summarize. What do you think is the action steps that we can take? It all starts from the individual, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds very big. Yeah, very, very big. But it's like, it's hard to start a movement out of nothing, you know. I feel like maybe it could start from you. Maybe like thinking of doing things that are productive and things that you think would be meaningful for your life Mm -hmm. and kind of in the process of doing that trying to encourage people Mm -hmm. to do the same Mm -hmm. and then how does that relate to the pan-african thing like Mm. do you mean like do like empower yourself and everything as an individual no empower yourself as an individual and everything from that would flow out that's and, that's a simplistic yeah way i mean it's a simplistic way but it's but like it's, it works i don't know i can't if really we go deep into this thing we, it will not be a conclusion so it should now, now, yeah it should be, it should be yeah, it's overall summary, summary. yeah, yeah start as be. individuals yeah. first okay how about you yeah. Linda? okay so what <sighs> i think should be done should be what i think is very important is um belief in yourself belief in what you can do um, I think it's important a lot of the, uh, um, I think it's also important to br- start to break down stereotypes and start yeah, to break the break con- down stereotypes, continuous so. circle of stereotype stereotype like what people have as caricature like what how people caricature like people people you know as that kind general. of thing and generally like it doesn't matter like any like everybody like everybody has their own caricature like at, like um, generalization or something like that of another person so I think, um, and I think it, it, the key to that is like actually, like I keep saying, I say this all the time, but it's like media, like how the media portrays Portrait. that person. Because like think about um, Black Panther, for example. See the way like suddenly there's a shift in like a slight shift in in per, like per, how you perceive. how people are perceiving black people now. Yeah, people are perceiving black people now. Like I was watching them. Um, this um, street talk in North uh, South Korea, it's in North Korea. <laughs> they yes. were they were having a street interview, like where they were interviewing different North South Koreans, and then um, somebody was like, "Oh, I didn't realize like black people looked like 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 you know well not I wouldn't say attractive. I think they said attractive, or they said like you know could be like appealing or like that kind of thing, cool until, until they watch Black Panther, you know. So like. It's like, oh, wow, very interesting. So you just need um, black people playing more roles or like people of color. More diverse roles. People of color, yeah, play more roles that are not diverse, that are not stereotypical roles, you know, Mm -hmm. like roles that like people would not like, yeah, like not expect them to do a play, even if they are fictional. Those things go a really long way. Um, I think media is important. I think also for in terms of like, okay, in terms of... um, within africa i think we should believe in our products believe in ourselves believe in ourselves please like believe in nafdaq buy africa yeah like, buy buy africa right like- um and i think um the government like people should start believing that start pushing the government to also push that it's like a continuous cycle and stuff like that like mm-hmm. if i had the energy to pre- like, this is what I'll protest for if I had the energy to protest. If you had the energy. Yeah, just believe in your own products and your own self. Um, basically, 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah start from yourself. the individual. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. I'm, change the media. Change the stereotype. So, yeah, that was our discussion so, on Pan-Africanism. So, thank you guys for listening. And if you have any feedback, like, if you disagree with anything we said, let us know. Let's continue the, these conversations on Twitter. You can follow us at Pod on Twitter. And if you want to ask any questions or make any comments anonymous, you can also leave your questions or comments on our Curious Cat. It's also at Pod. And you can find a link on our Twitter. Um, so any feedback would be great. And if you guys want to ever join us on any episodes, we would really appreciate that. You can hit us up on Twitter, send us a message, and we would like to have you on. And thanks for listening. Bye.